0: Hi, and welcome to the Strad Podcast. I'm Davina Shum, I'm a cellist, and I'm the online editor at Strad. I wonder how many violinists listening have had their own personal struggles with the Beethoven Violin Concerto, especially with that opening. It's like walking on a tightrope. It is a beautiful piece, though. And here to speak with me today about the concerto and the two romances is violinist Charlie CM, who's recently recorded the works on Signum Classics. We spoke about how he first encountered the works, what's going on inside his head during the orchestral introduction to the concerto, before the octaves, plus how he deals with Beethoven's sometimes gnarly pianistic writing. Here he is. Charlie, welcome to the Strad Podcast. We're here today to talk about Beethoven works pertaining to your new album of the Beethoven Violin Concerto and also Two Romances.
1: Thank you for having
0: me. You're welcome. So when did you first encounter these works? I feel like everyone's got an interesting story as to when they first encounter Beethoven in their life. When did you first encounter the romances and the concerto?
1: Well, the concerto came first. It's been sort of fundamental to my um, experience with music and the violin and life in general. I was very, very young. My mum had a cassette of Yehudi Menuhin playing the um, Beethoven Violin Concerto that she used to play in her Volkswagen Golf that she drove us around in and I was very small, four years old. And that's really when I first heard the violin and Beethoven and this concerto. So it's sort of the starting point for my entire journey uh, so far. And the romances were a little bit later, I, I would guess I was probably eight or nine, and i learnt them with my teacher at the time, Pauline Scott. And obviously the language of Beethoven was already very kind of at the forefront of my imagination, having sort of begun my violinistic musical journey as a result of listening to the concerto. And as a character, Beethoven sort of loomed large. When I was at school and I was at, um, there was a letter-writing competition The Roll Mail had set up, letters of peace about writing letters it was a competition that every school was kind of engaged with, and I and I wrote mine to Beethoven. The idea of putting huge speakers um, in the outside so people could be immersed in this universal language that brings people together, and I ended up winning the competition. So Beethoven was very much a character, a human character, as much as a as the musical language that I felt an emotional connection with since I was very small. Um, so yeah, obviously being able to record them these pieces. You know many years later 30 years later pretty much is an immense privilege and has been an amazing experience
0: yeah so you feel like you and beethoven go way back i feel like it's the same with a lot of people having formative experiences of pieces of repertoire stemming from sitting in in the car listening to music i mean i was the same yeah
1: Oh, you were, did you? It was in the car. I feel yeah. like
0: my introduction to a lot of pieces was just sitting in the car, listening to the radio with my parents, and that's kind of how it all starts. Yeah,
1: I was the same, yeah. It's true. I mean, that's the moment, you know, when children kind of, I guess they can be still enough and, you know, at times patient enough to be able to connect with, with something like this, you know, these yeah. works of genius. You know, I think many people are waiting to have that moment that we've had, you know, to discover Beethoven, as we're talking about now, but obviously wealth of other composers too and have a whole dimension awakened in their lives and that's the purpose of as many people playing instruments and interpreting Beethoven and recording it that's the that's why it's so important that so many people do.
0: Well maybe there'll be a young child listening to your album in the car.
1: I hope so I really hope so you know.
0: So I wanted to ask you pertaining to the concerto in particular now the beginning of the concerto has got a notorious introduction You know, I want to know what's going through your mind at the beginning. You've got this incredible, massive orchestral intro. It's like a symphony in itself for several minutes. You know, it's like the Brahms concerto and you're standing there on stage and then you have to emerge effortlessly with this octave beginning.
1: This dominant ascent, yeah, the kind of (laughs) dominant seventh broken octave.
0: It's a little bit like you're walking on a tightrope. So, you know, tell me, what's your approach to the beginning and, you know, what's going through your mind at that point?
1: Well, I think as, you know, a lot of the great iconic concerti have these introductions, these tooties from the orchestra that, you know, the soloist, especially in the live concert, has to sort of gather their thoughts and their sort of energies to be able to then approach the start. And that's always a challenge. And obviously, as you say, the Beethoven... It's technically slightly awkward to do these broken octaves, but also musically, it has to have a purity. It has to have, as you say, an effortless arise that comes from a, you know, a place of complete relaxation, which is not always easy to assume (laughs) when you're on stage and you've just been standing there for several minutes, again, with some of the most incredible music playing, you know, all of the various themes are laid out, the whole sort of... The material for that first movement is all kind of painted before you and in sound, and then you have to command the entire room, you know the orchestra behind you, the audience in front of you, with this very simple but not easy at all to play uh, opening so uh, yeah it 's terrifying, but I think it 's one of those things where you know one of the great lessons of, of and maybe you 've found the same thing, but playing an instrument preparing yourself to perform, going on stage and sort of reckoning with how to get the best out of yourself. My sort of lesson has been that you really have to learn to completely disengage, let go of all of the kind of noise and kind of chaos that we are consumed by on a daily basis. You know, as human beings, we're operating we're constantly expecting things and sort of being disappointed or pleased with all aspects of our lives. And obviously, not least with playing an instrument, because you invest so much in the practice and the, you know, the build up to every concert, every little note you're playing has a whole story of study and practice and like masterclasses you've been part of or attended, you know, there's there's so much baggage to playing any piece of music. And of course, the Beethoven's one that's played by everybody, but you really have to completely disengage from that because you never do your best with that horrible weight of expectation. And I think that's true of all things in life. I think, you know, not just playing an instrument. I think to do your best, you have to sort of let go of the, what the outcome might, let go from the possible outcome.
0: You have to trust in yourself that you've done the preparation. And then when you get to that point, once you're on stage, I imagine you've got to remind yourself that there's literally nothing more you can do at this point, right? Yeah,
1: I mean, it's true, but also not totally as well, because I think it's so psychological. And if you're playing over, let's say, a concerto, 40 minutes, your mind can start transforming your fingers in ways that can be exhilarating, but also the opposite. You can feel you're kind of coming apart. So you actually have to be working at yourself Mm. to kind of balance yourself out during the performance too. So it really is a process from beginning to end. And as much as of course, you want to start as perfectly as possible, there's an entire journey that awaits you beyond that opening. And to a certain extent, it's really just your first steps on a great adventure, which is what the and Violent Concerto, any Violent concerto, really is. And you are the kind of protagonist. You're the hero of the story, of the narrative, or whatever that might be on that particular night. And it could be that the opening has to be a little bit rougher on that particular day, and then you go somewhere else. So I think, for me, the sort of consciousness I try to bring to any performance is that you're on a journey, and you don't know exactly what that journey is going to be. And you want to access something special within that journey. You want to find the pot of gold somewhere in the forest or the cave or wherever it might be that you feel you're going. And it might be a bit rough on the way. And I think you have to be okay with that to be able to have the freedom and the sense of flow to be able to get to that um, special place.
0: Not to fear failure so much and just, as you say, see it as part of the journey. I mean, it's a metaphor for life as you mentioned,
1: doesn't it? That's what's so phenomenal about the performance process. Yeah. You've
0: just got to get started and see how it goes as you as you go along. You know, you prepare as much as you can and then you've just got to walk down that road.
1: You just go. Yeah. It's supreme confidence in a way. I mean, it's 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 an amazing thing when you think what it takes to stand up there and anybody that does it that goes up and plays a concerto with an orchestra and an audience is heroic themselves because it's challenging for everyone.
0: I wanted to ask you about Beethoven's string writing in particular. Now, you know, Beethoven was a string player himself, but I think of him foremost as a pianist for his his incredible piano writing. Yeah. So he does have some idiomatic string writing, but also there is some very unfriendly... string writing as well you know it's quite piano minded I imagine. Absolutely yeah. How do you deal with this less friendly string writing?
1: I mean I think that the concerto and the romances are to a certain extent his kinder writing in terms of the violin concerto was initially conceived as a piano concerto it's very scalar arpeggiated you know and I think what's challenging is that musically you have to bring what is relatively simple musical material, but with a great depth of expression. You know, you have to bring something that's pure, but also expressive at the same time. And I think that's the challenge. I think the sort of the prickly side of Beethoven's writing, I find more in the the sonatas Mm -hmm. um, for, for, for violin and piano, or piano and violin. Because again, there isn't that much indication in the concerto in terms of articulation, you know, dynamic markings, bowings, anything whereas he was very meticulous in the sonatas. And there are lots of things that are very hard to deliver. Beethoven's famous for the sort of the subito pianos, you know, crescendo to subito piano without any, you know, ritardando or anything going into it. And it's technically very challenging on the violin, but that's what makes it exciting, especially with with the sonatas, uh, with piano, um, because almost every note, there is an indication of what you're supposed to do. I mean, there's really very little freedom to sort of make up your own way of playing it, you have to follow the text. And it's not easy at all to follow these very exaggerated, dynamic changes and sports like articulations that, you know, with the up and down, the sort of unbalanced way of playing the violin, it's not as easy as, as you say, a sort of more pianistic, more symmetrical approach. But in the concerto, the romance has more indication, but certainly the concerto, there are very few, it's more editors that have added um, lots of dynamic bowings, um, articulations but there's very few from Beethoven himself, which is both liberating, but also intimidating.
0: Where do I start kind of thing? <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, technically, the opening, you know, these broken octaves, you know, string crossings, it, it is more pianistic. But definitely, mm. you can imagine a piano it makes more sense, you know, uh, in the mind of a pianist. And it's, it's not easy to conceive or to sort of deliver that in the same way you can easily do so on a piano, on the violin. So technically that's challenging, yeah.
0: Quite a blessing, isn't it? Because it's really challenging an extended violin technique, hasn't it? Because you imagine if something like that wasn't written, then no one would practice separated octaves at all and violin playing would be so different if it was just only written to be friendly violin writing
1: no no absolutely and, and actually as much as i've said the challenge I, in my imagination what i was just thinking now in terms of the sonatas and the very particular sort of indications that beethoven wrote that are not necessarily that natural the violin the language of the violin concerto is very challenging as much as it's you don't necessarily have these aggressive kind of dynamic changes. The scales, the arpeggios, you know, you're so exposed to the simple side of, I say simple, but it's actually the most complex of all. When you're just coming down to the bow control, string crossings, you know, intonation, Beethoven violin control is the ultimate challenge for those things. They're the sort of meat and potatoes of playing the violin. And uh, to a certain extent, I guess, yeah, that sorts all kinds of conditions on the, on the instrument. You know,
0: what you said about those uh, subito pianos earlier that just reminds me of what people were saying about the year 2020 yeah on social media because you know 2020 was meant to be the big beethoven year right
1: yeah so, of course yeah
0: and there was this big build-up loads of people doing beethoven cycles and everything and then there was the subito piano of covid that happened that just put an end to all of that
1: that's such a great analogy yeah i feel like beethoven
0: would have really really liked that that's <laughs> or just such found a good point found it quite amusing at least anyway
1: that's brilliant yeah
0: charlie thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on beethoven's violin concerto and romances and also those tricky passages that i'm sure lots of violinists encounter themselves so thanks again thank you that was Charlie Cm. Charlie's album of the Beethoven Violin Concerto and Romances is out now on Signum Classics. Check out the show notes for more information. And don't forget to head to our website, thestrad.com, to check out the latest news, articles, and reviews on all things to do with string playing. If you like what you see and hear, register and subscribe to access exclusive archival content from 2010 onward. We've got 50% off an online subscription for students, and if you're not sure you're ready to subscribe, take out a free trial for seven days start reading right away with no strings attached and if you happen to be on apple podcasts right now give us a little review or rating that would help us out loads thanks for listening and tune in again soon for another episode take good care bye